This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Now on Talk Radio We're going to become extinct. In fact, in some cases, we're close to being extinct right now. Presented by Weinerman Pain and Wellness, serious doctors for serious injuries, and powered by the law offices of Pond, Lee Hockey, Stern, Giordano. Talk, listen, and speak to the region's most influential leaders. It's Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. A good Saturday evening, Delaware Valley. Welcome into Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor, presented by Weinerman Pain and Wellness. We're powered by Pond La Hockey. We're fueled by our good friends at the Senesta Hotel, and we're driven by Chapman Ford. We welcome uh, you into the program tonight. We are loaded for bear tonight, and my partner, Jay Doc, uh, in the studio. Got here early today. Jay Doc must mean it's a big show, brother. Yeah, it is a big show, Joe, and, and uh, I'm excited. we got a great show lined up. we got uh, Tanner Rouse here, uh, State Senate a candidate in the uh, 26th district. Um, we got Bill Ross, uh, executive director of the newspaper guild. And we got Tom Scheid, who is a board member of the Sunday Breakfast Rex- Rescue Mission. So we got a loaded show, excited. And, and, and it's, it's important that we have a great show because the NFL draft just ended. And I, you know, I was, they say never give up on your dream, Joe. Well, it looks like. Another year down the tubes, brother. Well, one year ago, if you'll remember, one year ago today, we did our broadcast live from the Parkway That's uh, right. at the NFL Draft. And oh, what a broadcast it was and what an experience uh, it was. But all good things coming to a close here on the weekend uh, here in April. And again, Jay Doc uh, outlining our uh, show tonight here on a Saturday night. Bill Ross in studio. Uh, not new to the studio. Uh, very familiar. But uh, kicking us off with a hot topic, uh, one that we need to talk about, one that we need to figure out. Billy. Hi, thanks for having me again. It's good to see everybody. Yeah, nice to see and, you. And, and we were talking earlier, Bill, and when we were talking about what we're going to, you know, discuss on the show, you know, I, you know, I said, well, tell me what's new in your neck of the woods, and and evidently, hedge funds um, who have bought up a lot of the newspapers um, are more interested in uh, a return on investment uh, than uh, the integrity of the news. You want to kind of give us a skinny on that? Sure, sure. The um the group that we're dealing with is Alden Global Capital. It's a hedge fund out of New York City that was part owner of the uh, Philadelphia Inquirer and Daily News and Philly.com in 2009, 2010. And then they sold the properties here and then went around and purchased a bunch of other companies or newspapers around the country. They're the second largest newspaper company in the country behind Gannett. Uh, we've been dealing with them now for a number of years. We've been in negotiations for two years. And over the past year or two, um, well, they have 92 newspapers, 92 right? daily newspapers. Um, we've lost close to 60% of our membership at the four newspapers in the Pennsylvania region that we represent due to layoffs and buyouts. Um, the hedge funds invest no money in the properties. Uh, some properties have no hot water. Um, we've had to file OSHA complaints to get uh, somebody in to make sure there was water for the employees to wash their hands. Um, rats running rampant through uh, one of the newspapers in Trenton. And uh, recently we un- uncovered you know, the skullduggery that goes on with these hedge funds out of New York and the money that they're taking out of these profitable newspapers. Um, it's, am- it's just an amazing, it's an amazing story. It, it, it's hard to absorb 
and then apply what you're saying to be reality. Right. Well, the interesting thing during our conversation today, you were talking about the fact that um, you know they, they own these newspapers, right? And and they're and they're selling it off, selling things off, laying people off. Um, but also, no 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 reporting on the hedge funds. Right. So in other words, you get fired. If you if you if you you're a reporter, well, how, does you it, how does it work? The hedge fund buys the paper. The right. hedge fund owns the paper. The hedge fund buys up usually debt. They're a vulture head. They're called vulture funds. So they buy someone's debt and then they kind of just move themselves in as the as the owner, uh, and they own most of the debt, if not all of it. So in this case, there's another hedge fund involved, but Alden's the my you know the majority owner. Um, the Denver Post was one of their flagship newspapers. Uh, the San Jose Mercury News, which used to have 625 journalists in the newsroom. Today, the whole newspaper has 45 employees. Um, they were the flagship under Knight Ritter when they were owned by Knight Ritter, the same as the Philadelphia Inquirer. We were similar in size. Uh, but San Jose, uh, the San Jose Mercury News was always their flagship. The Denver Post has now been the flagship, and they've been reduced by a third. Or 30, you know, 30% of their newsroom was laid off. Uh, about a week ago. And is most the, uh, recently, as Joe Doc said, now Alden has put out a, a mandate to their managers that don't report about us. If anybody wants to report about us, you don't put it in the paper. What's the objective, Bill? What do they want to do? Well, Shut everything down? Yeah, or? just strip it down. Probably over the next three years, they figure they'll either have as much as they can take out of it because the papers are still profitable. And 20% profit margins today in the newspaper business are still very good and very high. Uh, but enough isn't enough. And um, what they're doing is taking cash out to make other investments, very risky investments. Um, Fred's Pharmacy, they invested $100 million in, and it went bad. Um, and the head of the of the fund uh, of Alden Global, over the last couple of years, has spent over $150 million on mansions in Palm Beach, Florida, and out in uh, in New York. Um, you know, so either he's taking money out of the company to, to make personal purchases. That's what we've kind of uncovered in our investigative he's also He's also pretty hip on buying expensive clothes, right? One of the, uh, well, his partner uh, is a Duke alum and decided to spend $119,000 on Christian Leitner's jersey from that famous shot he made um, back in the, you know. And, and that was in Philly, I think he made that. In, uh, did, did he make that? It may have been. Uh, Bill, but I mean, you know. Bill Ross, executive director of the Newspaper Guild of the CWA Local 38010 uh, is in our studio tonight. Bill, can you do that? Can you get away with what they're well, doing? Well, right now, uh, you know, one of their one of their other partners, another hedge fund out of New York, is suing them in Delaware um, because they've basically kept them out of the loop. They haven't let them see the books. They've uncovered all these other risky investments that the other hedge funds said, hey, we're not part of that. So they decided to sue them. So that's kind of opened up a door that let us get in to, to review the court documents. And we have an investigative reporter who for two years made it a beat, cover all in global like a beat. And she's just been unbelievable in uncovering what's been going on. And and most recently this week, as J-Doc said, um, out in Colorado, an editorial page editor wanted to write about his, his paper, um, and uh, they said no. So he posted it on his own blog, and then the week later he was fired. So... Um, uh, that's just something you don't see normally, and you don't. You normally don't have owners censoring the news. That's a real problem for everybody, and it's a concern. And um, to see what we have left in Delaware County and the Delco Times, we have 25 employees. We used to have over 130 or 40. 
Um, readers the paper are, in, Del, in, in Delco yeah. is, it, is profitable? Uh, yeah, yeah, all the papers are profitable. Even the Trentonian, uh, the Pottstown Mercury, and the Norristown Times-Herald. Um, perception and, in the public, if you ask somebody on the street, if you're a man on the street and you ask somebody on the street, hey, are newspapers making money today? Perhaps most, eight out of ten would say, no, they're no, they're not. The right. reality is they are. Under, under this hedge fund, they are. They're profitable, and, um, you know, like I said, 20% profit margins are, are huge in the newspaper industry, but for Alden Global, enough's not enough. And now um, I think they've taken a different step where they're going to censor the news, and that's going to blow up in their face as, as, as far as I can help it. Oh, yeah, and, 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 and that's what they're doing. You know, they don't, I mean, obviously, um, they're, they're trying to muzzle individuals, and they don't want, obviously, people knowing what they're doing. But there, there's a tweet, I think, uh, that there's a tweet from uh, Darren Carroll. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, this is an important story, not just in Boulder, but in Denver, Denver, in San Jose, in Orange County, in St. Paul, and many other places where Alden is destroying papers to make its principles richer than they are. Who's Darren Carroll? Darren Carroll is an international rep for the News Guild in, in uh, Washington. He works closely with our group and basically leads our negotiations against Alden. The interesting thing about that is this. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I believe in capitalism, not, not on the back of, uh, of, of workers, so I think it should always be fair, but... Um, but I do believe in capitalism. I, I have a problem with individuals in, investing in newspapers and, and, and trying to obviously censor the news, but also like hospitals. When, when, when hospital care, and we've done many, many, uh, many shows on it, when hospital care, when they won't, when they won't, when they won't, um, you know, populate the, uh, the the emergency rooms with enough nurses. You know, when when you get injured, your have a loved one has a heart attack or something like that, or something. The last thing you think of is a labor dispute, uh, and and that and that uh, management is not. You know, they're thinking about their their investors and uh, their shareholders, and 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 they're not and they understaffed at the emergency room that your loved one is going to, and and this isn't quite that, but at the same time, you're talking about the news, and these they're they're treated like a tennis ball. Right. I mean, you know, just. Uh, you know, and and so it's a, it's a problem, and 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 uh, certainly, I think you got to have some sort of sense of integrity if you're going to invest in in uh, newspapers and understand that there's got to be some kind of standards. Clearly, that's uh, the bottom line is their only um, priority. Correct. Right, so, Bill, just for the listening audience, bring uh, to, to there's the Trentoni and there's uh, the Delco Times, but. Let's tie it all together. Talk to us about uh, about the Inquirer, sure. the Daily News, sure. Philly, so, Philly.com. So How's the, the paper f- doing? Right. The, the local newspapers, uh, the Inquirer and Daily News and Philly.com, uh, are now one merged newsroom. We negotiated a contract a couple years ago. We are one newsroom. Um, the Lenfest Institute for Journalism um, is a nonprofit that basically owns the for-profit papers. So the newspapers are still for-profit uh, in philly.com, and they're doing well. The, the Eagles have been, a, a, of course, a huge gain for them. Um, the coverage, they've won a bunch of awards. They're hiring you know, newspaper in, in this city, both newspapers hiring we have. We're going to replace 40 journalists that have left over the last uh, year. And uh, we have fellows coming in from the Institute. We have summer interns. So it's somewhere where kids coming out of journalism school want to work. And that's a good sign. And how's Philly.com doing? Um, you know, with the with the new, you know, obviously you're 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 paying, you're paying a minimal fee, correct? Uh, which correct. I do pay, by the Good. way. I'm glad to hear. Because every time I need to, you know, right before a show, if if, if I haven't renewed, right. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm I'm trying to copy and paste, and it says you've reached your quota, right? <laughs> you only left so, ten, so, so I'm right on there. But I mean, how's that doing? It's doing well. They're uh, they're slowly picking up um, subscriptions on a daily basis, and of course, something now like the Sixers and the Phillies and the Eagles, of course, place uh, to be. Unfortunately, Philly, right? not the Flyers. 
buyers, but they uh, they've picked up you know a number of digital subscriptions at the rate that they were hoping for. So at some point, you know, if we if we you know we're not going to become the New York Times or the Washington Post in digital subscriptions, uh, but if we can get anywhere close, I think it'll be it'll be good for everyone. If Donald Trump starts tweeting about uh, Philly.com, <laughs> right, you, you, you never know. You might. <laughs> that is true. Saturday Night Live <laughs> with Philly Labor on Talk Radio twelve ten uh, WPHT Bill Ross uh, with us in studio. He'll stay with us for the entire hour when we come back after our first commercial break here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Who's Tanner Rouse? We will introduce you to Tanner when we come back. Tonight, I'm representing the Philadelphia Eagles. Great stuff from David Akers at the NFL Draft this weekend uh, at AT&T Stadium. And again, Jay Doc, I had to drop that clip in there. One, I thought it was fantastic. It's the best. Uh, it's great to see David Akers, a man who was really well, quiet and reserved uh, in the 15 seasons mm-hmm. that he played here in Philadelphia. Uh, and to, to see him go off on Dallas like that, and of course, triggers a memory right. uh, of our broadcast a year ago on I, the Parkway. It was just spectacular. It was awesome. And and, and uh, that was such an, a spectacle last year. And uh, But it also brings back the memory of Drew Pearson last year with Dallas, you know, talking about how many Super Bowls they win, never really thinking that they that they would get the draft next year, and we just won the Super Bowl. What was that unbelievable? I was at the uh, David Akers was in the uh, he just got inducted into the Eagles Hall of Fame. I think they should induct him again <laughs> after that speech. Um, so yeah, no, we have a great segment coming up. Um, that's our Meet the Candidate segment, and um, I'm, I'm proud to introduce to everybody Tanner Rouse, who's a candidate for state senate in the, in the 26th district. Tanner, welcome to the show. Hey guys, thanks for having me. And I, I, thank you not only for having me, for having me follow Dave Akers spitting on Dallas. Oh, 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 oh yeah, good, right? well, we can't well, beat that. <laughs> it's a great setup. But, you know, I mean, it was just unbelievable last night with someone. Because then we then we took Dallas. The guy that we took their draft pick, and his name was Dallas, and he was named after the Dallas Cowboys. And he. Uh, you Imagine being in Jerry Jones's room. Anyway, um, so so uh, Tanner, um, so in the upcoming uh, May fifteenth midterm elections, um, you're you're a candidate for state senate, correct? Um, in the twenty sixth district, which includes uh, you know Chester County, parts of Chester County, and and uh, and Delaware County. Um, tell us a little bit about and our listeners a little bit about yourself and and what motivated you to run for office. Well, Joe, I grew up in Chester County, kind of just outside of the district, and like you mentioned before, I was a DA. Uh, I was down here. I had a, a great job, a job that I loved, and what motivated me to run for office is what I found is what motivated a lot of people to run for office. There's a lot of people hurting out there right now. You know, I was a DA, and my job was to fight for people. I really, I took that seriously, and I loved that job. No matter who you were, no matter where you were from, I was going to spend time with you. I was going to get to know you. I was going to make it so that you knew I was fighting with you, not just for you, right? And that was that was important to me. What I realized was if I was going to do that, if I was really going to stand with people, it needed to be more in the courtroom. With everything that's gone on since November 2016, I really believe that in order to stand with people and to really stand for something, you got to be out there doing it these days. Uh, so that's what I'm doing. That's why I'm running. Now, I... As a DA, as an assistant district attorney, seven years um, in in the Philadelphia as as as, as a uh, a prosecutor and, and and a homicide prosecutor, um, how did that prepare you 
uh, you know, in, in, in you know, your, your, your endeavor to be a state senator? Yeah, so the short answer is you're talking to people, right? I, I'm good on my feet. I, I've been in a trial situation. I've dealt with curveballs all the time. The real answer, though, what it has really done for me is you deal with different types of people every day, and you got to talk to different types of people every single day. And if you have any sort of discomfort, if you have any sort of biases or prejudices, you realize this job is not going to be for you. In order to be a successful DA, you've got to be able to talk to every single person, to look at them as equals, and to communicate your message to them in a way that is going to resonate across these divides, that you've got to be able to talk to all sorts of people about all sorts of things, and there can't be any distance between you. That's the biggest thing that, as a DA, has translated to politics, because, again, in a district like that, you're talking to all sorts of different types of people every single day. And Tanner, are you ready to... Stand in the face of the public and not waver on what you believe. And I don't question you or your integrity with that question. I just think that we are at a time in, a, in history, in America, where everything is being questioned and everyone is being challenged, right or wrong. Sure. And, and I think it, it requires an incredible amount of resolve to be able to stand there and stick to your stick to your convictions. Truthfully, Joe, that's one of the things I'm worried the least about. Um, in terms of sticking to my convictions, I'm not someone that I like to get things done. I like to work with people. I'm more than happy working across an aisle for a common good, right? But at the same time, I'm also not somebody that that spends a whole lot of time worrying about what other people think about my convictions. You know, what's right is right, uh, and that's something that I've been taught for a very long time. I'm worried about being able to get anything done. I'm worried about going and trying to work with people to accomplish some goals. And, and you know, can you actually do this job and stand for something in this day and age? I believe you can. That's why I'm doing it. That's why I'm trying to take it on. But in terms of whether or not my conviction will waver, I, you know, it sounds sanctimonious, but the fact of the matter is, no, I'm not worried at all. Just to follow up to that, what do you think your supporters expect of you if you're elected? I think they expect someone that's going to follow up on that promise, that's going to be there, ready with his convictions, ready to fight with people like we just talked about. You know, this job is about caring for people. This job, as I said, there's a lot of people hurting out there. The people that are voting for me, that are supporting for me, are asking me to be and are hoping that I'm going to be a champion for everyone, that I'm going to go with them and carry their will and their heart forward. That's what we talk about in this campaign. That's what we are about. And, you know, it was interesting because I was on your website and, and uh, your, your, your credentials, obviously, as a district attorney, but uh, most proud of your work as a member of the community-based prosecutorial team assigned to the North Philadelphia's 22nd District where you're, you spent weekends, or, or, you know, out, outreach days on weekends, talking to the community, um, and, you know, and, and going and, and frequently visiting the homes of those who you were fighting for. Uh, that seems like it blends in really well. In other words, pressing the flesh and going out and, and meeting the people, which as a prosecutor in the 22nd district, you know, sometimes, you know, the, the last place people want to be is out in the community and you're out there letting people know who you are and, and, and meeting the people you're representing. I mean, that's got to be, you know, hand in hand with what you're doing now. That's exactly right. And you know what? The truth of the matter is in both these jobs, you can't fake it. You know, if you're going to be out there and you're in someone's living room and you're going into court, they're going to see right through you if you're not actually fighting with them. They're going to see right through you if those promises you made in their living room and what you explained and how you were going to go about this process with them, if you're faking it, they'll know right away. Um, and so, 
Yeah, no, it does. It translates one-to-one. Being able to go in, as I said, to a lot of different types of places, a lot of different homes, a lot of different families, and be able to say to them, look, I'm with you. Stick with me. And and they, they respond. One of the things that really... Uh, when we were talking about the interview in this show, we have Tom Scheid of of the Breakfast uh, Rescue Mission coming up at the end of the uh, in, in, at the uh, back of the broadcast. Uh, one of the things that we talked about was giving back, and it, with labor, one of the points of our our program is always to talk about you know the, our, our our priority of giving back. And let me so. Uh, this is from his, Tanner's website, and I'm going to segue a little bit. Tanner was taught about the importance of giving back uh, to his community from a young age. His father, Willard, a real estate developer uh, in the Philadelphia, often told the story of the man who helped him purchase his first home, saying, the more I give, the harder it is to catch up with what has been given to me. Those lessons, um, yeah, they got to stick with you today and be a part of who you are as a person. Very much so. Uh, I mean, I, it's it's hard to even quantify, Joe, how much that sticks with me and the responsibility I feel to to be that. Um, it is, you know, that was the last line that I used in my father's eulogy. That was, you know, people come up to me all the time and they talk about, well, you know, I know you're not a real estate developer, but you have to know, my father and I, I don't recall one single conversation we ever had about business, period. He must have told me that story 50 times, 100 times. Um, this This was... This was the, the the overriding lesson of my life was you have a responsibility to give back. And let me just say this, and this is, I could run through a wall, okay? Uh, so let me tell you a little bit about who Tanner Rouse is. He's the son of um, uh, legendary Philadelphia uh, developer Willard Rouse. Um, and I'm just going to read a little bit about what the New York Times said of his passing in 2003, an icon who shaped the Philadelphia skyline. Okay, so as a union iron worker, and when I, so I believe in lineage, and I see the conviction in your, in your, um, we'd never met before this, and you yeah. were introduced to me recently, but I knew who your dad was, and I knew how many men and women he put to work. I mean, there are lives, two, I mean, countless, that, you know, he, you know, you talk about the skyline in the New York Times. I mean, I literally went through his poor, fo- Liberty Place. He broke. I remember the day we went above Billy Penn, um, you know, literally a civic leader who served as a chairman of the Pennsylvania Convention Center Authority and the Regional Performing Arts Center. Um, it, you could go on forever. Um, that, he made such a difference in people. The real estate, obviously an icon from Philadelphia to L.A. You took those traits and you took them into public service. That tenacity that your father showed, is that the tenacity, the same tenacity that you showed as DA and that you're going to show as a state senator? First of all, I appreciate you saying it, uh, Joe. And Proud to say it. Look, that's, that's certainly my intention. I can tell you, no one in that office spent more time with victims and with the families of their victims than I did. Um, no, I lived that job, and I'm living this one. I'm a full-time candidate because I don't, I don't know how to do things with one foot in the water. I go all in. Um, I, you know, I was up two, three, four o'clock in the morning when a witness needed to talk through something they were worried about. This is with a one-month-old son in one instance. You know, I, I, I go all in. Um, and and you know, the legacy of service. You talked about my father's legacy in real estate, and kind of is that the same legacy I see in service? To me, those are not those are not separate issues. Um, I had breakfast with a good friend of his recently, a guy named Joe Denny, who was one of his closest colleagues for decades. 
And what Joe said to me, he's like, look, people wouldn't even believe this if I told them. But we never once, never once talked about how many, how much money we were going to make. We talked about what kind of good we were going to do for the city a thousand times. More than tenacity, more than success. That's the legacy that I'm trying to live up to. Tanner Rouse, our special guest here in the studio. We'll get to a commercial break on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor as we come to you. On Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, a gorgeous night in the Delaware Valley. Back here live on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. On Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, as we come to you on a beautiful night in the Delaware uh, Delaware Valley, we take a moment, Jay Doc, to welcome back Great Adventure uh, back in with us again for another summer. It's that time of the year. We're about to transition uh, into the month of May uh, and Great Adventure again, a union theme park and a great supporter of the entire union community. Glad to start promoting Great Adventure. It's that time of the year. Absolutely. We're excited, and this is time where everybody can go there. Go there. And Joe keeps promising everybody we're going to do the, a show from the Ferris wheel there. And I'm an iron worker. I'm not afraid of heights. I'll do it. Um, so we're continuing our conversation um, uh, with Tanner Rouse, um, the candidate for state senate in the 26th district, and uh, covering Delaware County and, and Chester County. And uh, is, Tanner, it Del- is it Delaware County or Montgomery County? No, it's Delaware. Oh, it is Delaware Joe, yeah, County. It's, okay. it's, it's most of Delaware County. Okay. Hold, hold on here for a second. I, I think I said it was Delaware County. <laughs> no um, so Tanner, let's talk about your platform. Let's talk about the issues that are important to you. Joe, one of the reasons I was so excited to come down here tonight is I think the issues that are important to me are very much the same issues that are important to the labor movement. It is it is standing with people to make sure they can go to work, earn a decent wage, they come through a high school ready to work, ready to go to college, whatever it is. So when it comes to education policy, right, we have one of the largest school districts in the entire state in Upper Darby High School that is getting massively underfunded. And people are coming out of Upper Darby High School neither ready to go into the workforce nor ready to go to college. And it's it's no individual's fault, right? People are working tirelessly to make sure every kid gets a good education, but they just don't have the resources. We're not doing it fairly. We can do a better job fighting, again, for people, right? This is about just treating everyone with the dignity and respect to allow them to go about living their lives. When it comes to something like well, we do the Janus case right now, where they're trying to, to completely undercut the right to collectively bargain. You know, right. it is not a coincidence that you see the drop in wages correspond directly with the drop in union participation. Exactly. It is it is again, we're trying to stand with people. They need to be out there, they need to be able to earn a living, they need to be able to come home at night and know that they're gonna be able to put food on the table for their family, that medical bills are not gonna get them out of their house, that when their son or daughter goes to school, at the end of the day, they're gonna come home safe, they're gonna come home from a gun-free school, and they're gonna come home ready to go the next day, ready to go the next day after that, and eventually ready to go out into the workforce or go on to college, whatever works for them. A lot of fights, a lot of battles, a lot of conversations to be able to accomplish uh, to be able to accomplish so much, Tanner, I, I, I applaud you for, for jumping in with both feet. It's a, it's a lot. It is a lot. It is a lot. There's no question about that, Joe. But the reality is is that we've got to take steps, right? I mean, these are you're right. I'm talking a big game about what I'd like to see happen. The reality of what's going to be able to be done is certainly different. You know, I win this seat. We are still Democrats are vastly outnumbered by Republicans in the state Senate. You know, there are the Republicans in the state Senate are working to undercut labor. There is absolutely, absolutely. there's no doubt about that. So what am I going to be able to accomplish? The truth is it remains to be seen what any individual is going to be able to accomplish in the minority party. What I can say, though, is this is what I'm running on. This is what I stand for. I hope people will stand with me because if we can rally together, I believe we can accomplish some of this. And again, step by step, 
we're going to have to reach across the aisle. We're going to have to make it work. But that's something we got to be willing to and, do to get this done. And when I look at your platform, also you talk about obviously healthcare, gun safety, the opioid uh, crisis, uh, criminal justice reform, and and women's rights. Sure. I mean, certainly, uh, you know, in your 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 priorities are are right on point with you know what America's priorities are and what people every day are dealing with on the front pages. That's one of the things I love about this district is it goes from Willistown out in, in Chester County, which is, I don't know if either of you have had it, right by Malvern, with these rolling horse farms. It's unbelievable, right? It's it's beautiful. you got some of the biggest horse farms in the entire country out there. These are George Washington's friends, right? Right. And you go all the way up to Upper Darby. It's it's a blue collar. It's it's lower middle class neighborhoods. What you see and in between, right? Everywhere is Swarthmore, Springfield. These are very, very different places. Sure. Very diverse. Exactly. And what that means, Joe, is just what you said. The pulse of this district is the pulse of the nation. We're dealing with the same issues. You can't take one swath of this district and say, aha, this is the central issue, because it is so different across the district. You've got to be able to talk about things that are going to resonate across boundaries, across borders. You know, Again, we, we talked about the diversity and, and being able to talk to a lot of different sure. types of people. That's exactly it. These issues are things that touch everyone's lives in this country today. That's what we got to be able to talk about in this do district. You do you find that there's a difference of thought or opinion between the parents that live in the Upper Darby School District and those that are own the horse farms? What's been really exciting, Joe, is not really. Good. Uh, people have been very willing to give of themselves to see the collective rise good. Uh, and that's that's you know, a good that's good for you uh, it's well it's great for me uh, i think it's great for the country yeah. frankly I, yeah. I think it's been a real wake-up call to people that identify themselves with the democratic party and the values that i think the democratic party stands for and and you know it's interesting because hopefully you're not going to be you know when when you win hopefully you're not going to be the only you know we're not going to be the minority party and you're not going to have to deal with that situation in Harrisburg, you know, like we've been doing, and and nationally, obviously, that's that 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 you know that that could affect us in a, in a positive sense. Um, you know, the debacle that goes on in Washington every day is insane. Um, uh, having said that, uh, you know, people, uh, it, it, the issues that are in the opioid crisis, for example, people dying every day. Yep. And by the way, as a DA, yep. you you had to see that on the front lines. Um, you know, when you're in, when when you're when you're dealing with a gun crime, what is that? I mean, like we, we you read about it in the newspaper, but what's that like when you're in the middle of and you're representing a family yeah. whose loved one was just killed? To, you know, what's it like being on that front line? I, I got to tell you, if you can't go through an experience like that and come out feeling wishy washy about gun crime, you know, you can't go through something like that and, and find yourself saying afterwards. You know, I'm just not sure what the right policies on all these guns are. It is what goes on in in this city and in our region. As you said, Joe, people are dying. People are dying every day. And I'm running against a guy who talked about how he was going to solve the opioid crisis. He was going to do that by reinstituting mandatory minimums for people that are selling drugs. Let me tell you something. I've been a DA. That does not work. That will not work, all right? And the problem I have with it is not just that it's a bad solution, mm -hmm. but it, that it's an obviously bad solution, right? right? All you got to do is ask, okay? Every DA worth of salt knows that's really not how you solve this. I read your, I read your, uh, on your website about your criminal, criminal justice reform, and um, it, it, was, it was interesting. I mean, you know, making sure that, you know, look, when somebody commits a crime and they, and they pay the price, if there's, no, if there's no program to retrain them, 
Okay, you're just all you're doing is setting somebody up that's, to go back in. That's and, exactly right. Are we in the business of solving the problem, or are we in the business of just trying to punish people for the sake of it? I'd like to solve problems, right? We got a guy most often who is in the drug trade. They're not in the drug trade because this is their dream. This is some glamorous life fulfillment. <laughs> They're there to make a buck, right? right? They're there because they don't have the job skills because we have an education system that we gutted because we haven't given them the job training they need to go into a union job that'll get them a real living wage for the rest of their life. Well, stereotypically, so, that you know, and, and and I would like to believe that, and and um, but I'd also say this, Tanner. Um, either way, once they commit that crime. Now they're, you know, we we talk about putting the guns down. I've said this many times, and we all, you know, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm. Listen, I'm not for taking, you know, you know, guns away from America. Sure, the assault weapons, you know, and and anything machine gun that can that can kill twenty kids at a time, uh, or otherwise the criminals would be the only ones with the guns. But, um, you know, you you can't. You got these uh, criminals out there with 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 uh, criminal records. They can't get jobs. Okay, we have to deal with the hard problems, the hard questions. No, that's that's exactly it. Again, what we're talking about is putting someone on a path to a solution. Do we want to just keep locking them up, spending our money locking them up, spending our money putting them on probation, spending our money hoping they're going to be able to find a job, which they won't be able to because they're not trained and now they got a felony record. That's exactly right. Or do we want to put them on a program to get them where they need to be to get out of it? To me, it's an easy choice. Well, Tanner, can, you, can I take you back to the opioid conversation? Sure. Can you share with me your thought on how to... How to Wrap your arms around that and get some get some resolution. Sure. Well, there's a couple of things, Joe. First of all, there's no magic wand, right? There's nothing that I'm going to sit here and say or anyone is going to sit here and say that's going to be the solution. But with that said, what we saw in Philadelphia were a couple programs that were truly innovative that I think are going to get us back on a track, right? So first and foremost, when it comes to people that are selling, when it comes to the street-level dealers, let's get them into training. Let's get them into educational programs. Let's get them ready to get off the streets and into a job. Let's try to get the supply down that route. Now, second of all, we've got to get people off of this stuff, right? It is incredibly addictive. Simply putting someone in jail, hoping they dry out, taking them back out, putting them on the street and saying, good luck, is never going to work. It's just that's not how it is. You've got to be able to put someone in treatment. You've got to be able to help someone through this problem they're going through. We're spending entirely too much money keeping people in jail and not trying to get them better. We're punishing, but we're not solving anything. Tanner Rouse, our special guest here in the studio, along with Bill Ross joining us as well. We're going to get to a commercial break. Uh, Tom Scheid's going to join us. He's the board member for the Sunday Breakfast Rescue Mission. Nice to have Tom uh, here in studio. J-Doc, I give you the last 30 seconds. Well, Tanner, I, I know you want, want it, so I'm going to give you 30 yeah. seconds. <laughs> push the break back 30 seconds. I'm going to give you 30 seconds because you rambled a little this bit. Is gonna get, this is going to get violent. To before we go to break. <laughs> Just kidding. Now, Tanner, I want to I want to thank you for coming in. Um, and your passion is is unbelievably impressive. Um, we obviously wish you well. Um, you know, the, your lineage demonstrates that if if you get the opportunity to serve your constituents, that that they're going to be lucky individuals. So, uh, Tanner Rouse, uh, Senate candidate for uh, the twenty uh, state Senate candidate for the twenty sixth district. Thanks so much for being on the show. Hey, thank you both. For me. I really I can't tell you how much it means to be here. I'm really honored. Thanks. Awesome. Uh, good stuff from Tanner Rouse joining us. He'll sit with us through uh, the end of the. Show. Show as we roll to the top of the hour. Christine Flowers in for Dan Loney tonight. She'll take you into the night 8 to 11 on Talk Radio 1210.
WPHT. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We thank everybody, our growing listening audience here on a Saturday night uh, for joining us. And a special thanks to uh, Tana Rouse for uh, being our special guest here in the studio. Jay Doc, uh, well done. I, I always profess to the audience, radio, of course, is theater of the mind. But Tanner has a real passion. Uh, and, and you can see it in his eyes. And you can see the commitment that he has. Uh, so best of luck to Tanner. Thank you so much uh, for coming in and being our guest. And, and meeting the Delaware Valley tonight. Night through uh, through our microphone absolutely and and so uh so this is our, our giving back segment and, and as you know labor's all about giving back and and making a difference in the lives of others and um this next individual um really proud to have on the show um i have to confess we're we're great friends and not only that uh, Tom Scheid is a, a board member of the Sunday uh, Breakfast Rescue Mission, which is an unbelievable uh, endeavor, but also one of the great uh, lead singers uh, to, to hail from Philly. Um, I've, I've, I've had the opportunity uh, to play music with Tom for about 15 years. He's had uh, nationally charted songs. And so, uh, uh, you know, I'm not going to ask you to sing here, Tom, but I'm, I'm, I'm proud. <laughs> I told you, we made the radio here in Philly, not the way we expected, but hey, uh, great, just the same. So, uh, first of all, Tom, welcome to the broadcast. Of uh, Joe, thank you very much. And I got to admit, I saw this coming about thirty years ago. No doubt, when you uh, walked up to me and <laughs> oh yeah, when I walked into the room and said, "Hey, man," I heard him through a, a recording studio. And I'm like, he sounds like a really good singer, and I, I recognize him. And the, the rest is history. <laughs> um, but no, so, so uh, Tom, uh, tell us a little bit about um, what the uh, Sunday Breakfast Rescue Mission is. Yeah, sure. Uh, Joe, thank you very much, and thank you for uh, asking me on the show. Uh, the Sunday Breakfast Rescue Mission, uh, founded in 1878. By the way, Joe Krause was there when it happened. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of longevity in my life. Too, <laughs> uh, Sunday Breakfast Rescue Mission, uh, we serve, uh, we minister actually to the physical and spiritual needs of the underprivileged and the homeless in Philadelphia. Um, and the idea uh, behind it since 1878 is that we take the folks that come in basically on the edge of the edge of the world. I mean, these people come in with nothing. Uh, we rescue them, we love them, and then we train them. And that the idea is they go back out into the world and love, rescue, and train those uh, that are that came into the same situation as them at one time. The interesting thing is, is you know, so um, you know, it's a right next to Roman Catholic High School, the Philadelphia. Um, the, the Philadelphia location, which is, you know, I graduated there and I coached football there for a long time, so, and didn't know about it. And, and last week when we were talking, and one of the things, Joe Krause with Krause's coach, and I told you about this, um, you know, Joe is giving away thousands and thousands of, of coats to homeless people. Um, and 162,000 so in 15 years. Bingo. Yeah. And so we're talking, yeah, wow. we're not messing around here. Joe is unbelievable. So the synergy uh, is, is amazing. Tom, um, when I was reading a little bit about the, the shelter, um, what I realized, and, and so was oh, it, it, there's just the spiritual aspect to it. Yes. Um, you know, it's not your everyday not that there's an everyday cookie cutter, but it, you know, you combine you know the, the the living quarter with the with the spirituality aspect. How does that um, how does that you know, impact an individual um, who's going there? Who's not just going there to you know stay the night or have a, a meal, but you're also enriching their soul. Well, yeah, that's I mean that's the basic idea 
Um, we're a Christian organization, but we serve unconditionally. As Christ served unconditionally, anybody that walks through the front door, whether you're a Christian, a Muslim, an atheist, you get a meal and you'll hear the Word of God. Uh, the idea with uh, the Christian ministry is this. You look at the Bible, and in its essence, it's not a self-help book. It's a book of self-denial. It's a book about service. So when you preach the word every day and the folks that come in here every day and hear about this, maybe it won't, they won't, yeah, what's this all about? Then the second day they'll come in, the third day they'll come in, and all of a sudden they'll say, well, maybe there's something to this. And uh, I'll tell you a story in, in a few moments, but I, I did want to answer that for you, Joe. So the interesting, so, so how, yeah, and I was, how, do, how do they react? Because earlier today I asked you, is is you know do you have to be a christian or you know uh you know have been saved and you said no it's open to everybody how does a an individual who's homeless who's coming in it's the middle of winter um and and you're giving them a meal how do they react initially when when you're uh when 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 you're you know obviously you're preaching the word to god to them uh, you know your spirituality how, how do they initially react well, I mean, some have heard the word of God before. Some have never heard it. Uh, some are ambivalent to it. Um, so it's going to be uh, how God touches each individual soul. So some people sit there with their head down. Others actually run to the pastor after a uh, sermon and say, uh, I would like to be saved. Tom Scheid is our special guest here in the studio as we roll to the top of the hour on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Tom is a board member of the Sunday Breakfast uh, Rescue Mission, which means he's doing good work on a day-to-day basis, sometimes hour uh, by hour through the course of every day. Tom, what's the toughest thing uh, that you've witnessed uh, since your involvement with the mission? Well, the toughest thing that I've witnessed, uh, this really touched me, um, Part of uh, this was not as a board member, but prior to being a board member, I've been involved with uh, Sunday Breakfast Rescue Mission for about 10 years now. Uh, A lot of part of my mission was with Wayne Hall, which is the women's shelter. And one of the things that we do uh, is mentor some of the children there, six, seven, eight, ten-year-old children. Uh, Again, the underprivileged uh, children, what will happen, uh, a woman, there's a woman's shelter and obviously the men's shelter. The woman's shelter is in Mount Airy. So they'll come in, and what they find is that they're surrounded by women, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but they don't have a father figure in their life. So what we'll do, we'll come in and mentor some of the children one-on-one. We'll talk to them. We'll tell them right and wrong. Uh, We'll talk the Word of God or just sometimes have a catch with them. Sometimes we'll just play games with them. But the hardest thing I did was to say goodbye to them because – there comes a time when they graduate from the program and that child leaves the program. And uh, I, I'll never forget it. Uh, one of the young boys that we were mentoring, he sensed it. He knew it was the last day and he looked at me and he said, uh, Mr. Tom, is this the last time I'm going to see you? And I said, yeah, big guy, this is the last time you're going to see me. He sa- I just said, God bless and just remember everything we talked about. So, I mean, if anything, that was probably the toughest thing uh, that I've done since I've been working. Is it a bittersweet though? Because it's a good when you say graduating the program, they've they've come and now they've moved forward to a better to a better. Rewarding. Place. It's got to be rewarding. It's re, it's rewarding. It's it's bittersweet, just like you said. It's now, absolutely bittersweet. Now, Tom, because I know we only have a couple minutes. Uh, the funding for this, um, who does it come from? Well, the funding is one hundred percent from you, from me, from 
everybody in the Delaware Valley and all across the country, uh, we don't take any government money. Uh, we're 100% funded uh, by donations, uh, both food donations and monetary donations. And events, uh, you know, do you guys host events that would uh, would raise money for the, you know, for the, the charity? Yeah, um, what we're doing, this is actually our 140th anniversary this year. So we started in 1878, as I mentioned before. And uh, just a little bit of history, just to go along with that. The four founders, uh, we had John Wanamaker, obviously you know him, uh, Atlee Burpee of the Seed Company. Uh, we had uh, James Pollock, who was a former governor of Pennsylvania, and also John Stetson. You're talking about Dallas. Uh, you know, there's a guy that tamed the West, but he was from Philadelphia. Uh, contact information, if somebody wants to get more information about the about the shelter. Yeah, uh, the contact information is sundaybreakfast.org, or you can call 215 922 6400 and uh, as far as the events uh yeah we're going to be kicking off a few events to celebrate the 140th anniversary leading up to uh the founding day which was december 8th 1878 and so we're going to be announcing uh some big events so what i would say is stay tuned uh to that web page to the web page right absolutely well tom unbelievable i mean just i i've you know i've uh always loved you and respected you and you know and i never knew those stories so i can't tell you how much i I appreciate and how proud i am of you um for doing the work that you're doing it's just unbelievable and and anybody who can get involved with the sunday uh, breakfast rescue mission what's the website again tom sundaybreakfast.org unbelievable thanks so much tom good stuff Tom. thank you and i encourage uh anybody in the uh in the delaware valley who's listening uh to not be afraid of the rescue mission the people are real, and your support is uh, needed. Special thanks to Bill Ross, the executive director of the Newspaper Guild, uh, for coming in as well. well. Well done, Billy, on your part. Nice job. Thank and, you. of course, Tanner Rouse, who was in uh, for uh, segment two and three of the big show. That's going to do it tonight for Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We thank our listening audience for being a part of the show. We'll see you next week on behalf of uh, J-Doc. Glenn Behind the Glass. I'm Joe Krause. See you next time, everybody. Tonight, I'm representing the Philadelphia Eagles, NFC East champs, divisional champs, NFC champs, and world champs, the world champs. Hey, Dallas, the last time you were in the Super Bowl, these draft picks weren't born. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.